Welcome to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the FedHeads each week as Robert Shea and a celebrity guest host talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of FedHeads. My name is Robert Shea, and I'm delighted to welcome my good friend and colleague Adam Hughes as our new guest host. Robert. Well, I'm so excited to be here. I can't even let you welcome me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, over 200 episodes I've been involved with the FedHeads podcast, and it took you that long to ask me to guest host with you. It never occurred to I'm me. I'm not we, offended at all. It never occurred to me we could get a salaried employee here on the program. So, uh, what, a day, what a day it is for me. What so a day it is for the FedHeads. So this is, this is what we call the banter episode, where we just talk about current events, and I thought we'd talk about appropriations have kicked off on the Hill. National Defense Authorization Act is, is underway. Congress is trying to wrap up some things like uh, the China Competes Act, other things. But anything you... So you, legislative gridlock. You're really not leading with the, the all-star topics. Okay. Okay. So what are you bringing to the table? Uh, well, I mean, I think those are all wonderful and valid. Um, well said. Uh, you, you mentioned to me earlier that uh, we're, we're in the, the 20th anniversary of the EGov Act. I feel like that is some legislative history, a law that passed that actually did a little bit of good as opposed to some of the laws now that Congress is trying to pass but failing. So we could talk about the EGov Act. Yeah. So you accused me of being boring as we were in the 20th anniversary of a law intended to require the government to make better use of this newfangled thing called the Internet. How that happened was Senator Lieberman's staff – in collaboration with GAO, reached out to the administration, then Dan Chenock, now runs the IBM Center for the Business of Government. I was representing Fred Thomas, then chairman of the Government Affairs Committee. We sat in a room over a period of about three or four months, several days a week, for hours at a time, going through a lot of GAO recommendations about how we could do a better job streamlining websites across government, because that was new. And and everybody wanted one. Everybody wanted one. And, and they didn't know how to make one. And they looked kind of crazy. <laughs> yes. How to make sure that we were leveraging the internet to provide services to citizens more efficiently. This was new. Private sector was leapfrogging government in its ability to provide services to their customers. And we needed to do something to surge that capability. Governance over all of this, we created the Office of eGov, which seems so passe right now. And the, the name of that position is, is the administrator, because that's what you call uh, new positions at OMB. And so it's, course, funny, it's funny you should mention that, too, because in my time working in federal IT, I worked very hard for probably more than five years to have people stop calling it the Office of eGovernment. And information And technology. information technology. Yeah. Because when you say that, in 2015, you sound like an idiot. <laughs> Even though it's part of the law, of course, I would. we wanted to move to a more kind of prospective view where it was the federal chief information officer. So it matched all the other agencies that had chief information officers. Can someone make a note? We need to add an age requirement for the guest hosts on FedHeads. No, um, you're absolutely right. But it's just, it, it, and it shows you how difficult it is to legislate, especially in an arena around innovation. And things that move so quickly, particularly in the private sector. Totally agree. Government has not kept up, but 
I think if you reflect on where we are today versus where we were 20 years ago, it may not be as fast as the private sector, but we can get a lot more done electronically, securely, efficiently, serving citizens better than 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 we did 20 years ago. I totally agree. And I think the pandemic was a bit of a jumpstart for some agencies, too, to help move them. This is not just a requirement that Congress passed or that the administration really wants to focus on, but this is sort of the only way we can do it now. Right. And I think that really helped to reorient the way a lot of folks in the executive branch, many of whom have been struggling for years to get these types of services into the hands of people who are trying to access them. Um, the, the COVID pandemic really did help in a lot of ways for agencies to modernize their technology. The customer experience initiatives of this administration have enormous promise, in my view. They are, first of all, focusing on equity, making sure that we don't miss traditionally underserved folks who may not have access to the internet, who may not have access to the digital tools, may not be able to get to federal agencies that are delivering services, may not know about these services. But they're also trying to piece together journeys of Americans' lives. What are the major points at which they have to interact with the federal government when they're born, when they go to school, when they retire, when they die, when they have a health crisis or when they have a financial crisis in their lives? They're making sure to bring together relevant agencies to make sure they're designing experience that maximizes the efficiency and effectiveness of those services and benefits for the people who need them the most. I totally agree. And it's also not always in the way that you might think about it for, um, I want to use a website to interact with the government. One of the things that I was able to be involved with here, thanks to you, was the USDA consolidating agencies in the previous administration because they essentially were sending farmers and ranchers to two different government offices in the same town to get very similar services. And so even that doesn't involve necessarily a new fancy website or an app, but that's customer experience also. And making sure that their ways of interacting with the government are as efficient as possible for them, I think is only beneficial for both the folks that are working in government, but also people who are dependent on their services. Yeah. Reminds me, and we featured on this program before, GAO's biennial report on overlap and duplication. It's one of your favorite reports in all government. Plenty of opportunity to consolidate functions in government so American people don't have to access the same or similar things from different sources. The uh, Government Affairs Committee hosted a hearing on that topic recently. Must-see TV. Must-see TV. The, I don't know if that's true, especially in competition with the January 6th committee, um, but it does show that there's still some work being done up there on important bipartisan government management issues. All right. So now that the big guns are out of the way, we can go back to some of your topics if you'd like. We've got appropriations kicking off, even though it's the middle of June. I mean, we could go back and talk about, you know, the what regular order looks like. Yeah, exactly. Which it does. There is no such thing anymore. And then and the National Defense Authorization Act, one of the few legislative vehicles that moves through Congress every year now. So what are you what are you seeing that is sticking out to you at this point, other than the fact that it's a midterm election year and they're behind schedule? Yeah, I think getting them done is what I'm watching most closely. You mentioned must pass. It's this will be the sixty second consecutive time that the National Defense Authorization Act is passed. And that says something because you knock can't on, say knock the, on wood. you can't say the same thing about appropriations. Correct. We're going into a midterm election where it's likely one or both houses will switch party. 
And I'm curious about what that does to the end game. Does Congress get appropriations done and NDAA done so that they can wipe the slate clean for the new majority Republican Congress? Or do Republicans hold out in the hopes that they can put a bigger stamp of their own on those bills? I I believe I saw last week that Senator Shelby has already said that he's assuming that there will be a continuing resolution. So then to your point about the end game. That's like it will. (laughs) For you taking bets out there, folks, make sure. There will be growth in the spring. (laughs) There's inside info coming out of Capitol Hill through the Fed Heads podcast. Um, But what I was going to say is to your point, so then that's when does the end game, are we talking before the election, lame duck, Oh, yeah. uh, that once the election happens, and if the, the houses do shift, either the House or the Senate, that, that would completely change the dynamic of what the negotiations might be when there is a CR in place. Yeah, my assumption, I don't know that I have an assumption. I'm pretty confident we don't get it done before the election. One scenario is that they get it done between the election and the swearing into the new Congress. But that hasn't happened. We haven't even done that in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess we did a couple of years ago, right? The, uh, Christmas Eve. I remember being on the phone with you Christmas Eve talking, <laughs> talking about, about government shutdown. So we'll see whether they can get it done before January 3rd or it bumps into the spring. Lots to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, good to be with you. Welcome to a stint as, as guest host. What are you most excited about this uh, little gig? Uh, mostly, you know, uh, bragging to my friends that I'm now a podcast host. I've tried it with my daughters and they're <laughs> unimpressed. So actually quick story. So one of the things that my uh, youngest daughter, who's 11, uh, has started to say is that when people ask me what I do, she says, I, I just do podcasts. That's what she, before I'm even a guest host. That's what she that was said. true. And I, I did, I would, I helped a lot with the production of FedHeads. Um, but now I feel like I could actually put this on my resume and start, it might be at the bottom of my next business card batch. I don't know. Yeah, well, good luck with that. <laughs> it hasn't got me very far. Well, I thank you so much for inviting me on to be a guest I'm host. I'm very excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the FedHeads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.